Welcome to the Self Storage University Podcast, where you will learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self storage facilities. And now, here is your host, a partner in one of the largest real estate portfolios in the U.S. with nearly $1 billion of holdings, Frank Rolf. Many investors buy self-storage facilities using partners. But how do you divvy up the profits? This is Frank Rolf with the Self-Storage University podcast. We're going to be talking about partnerships and how to build a successful partnership, particularly focused on splitting up the income from that property. Let's first start off with the whole concept of partnerships. Many of the best deals going in America today, as far as business units, investment units, or when you have two people who forge an alliance, similar goals, similar visions, but different skill sets. You saw that in the movie starring Steve Jobs and Wozniak about Apple. You have Jobs, who is the quintessential salesperson. And without Wozniak, he would have ended up probably a really good car salesman. And then you had Wozniak, who had no sales ability at all. And without Jobs, he would have ended up selling circuit boards at weekend fairs, which is what, in fact, he used to do. But when you got those two guys together, the end result was magic. You see that in sports. You see it in entertainment. When you have two people who complement each other so perfectly, they are stronger together than they are separate. That makes for a perfect partnership. Now, finding that perfect partner is all fine and dandy, but what do you do with the math? What do you do with the economics? How do partnerships even work? Well, typically in an unusual partnership, this is how the structure works. You have the need for capital. That's part of what real estate's all about is typically you've got to have capital. Not always. You can sometimes buy a property for zero down for mom and pop. But by and large, real estate is to some degree about money, at least the money for the down payment. So that needs to be addressed. Where's the money come from for the down payment? And that capital that goes on that down payment, that needs to be sacred, that capital is in the first priority. If you ever get that property sold, that property ever makes any money, that money first needs to go to towards the capital. Next, you have a thing called the preferred return. That is the interest on the capital. If that capital was not locked up in that self-storage facility, it could instead be in something else that is at least interest-bearing. Preferred returns can be all over the map. I've seen them as low as 2%, seen them as high as 10%. So the structure is typically... The person who puts in the capital, or if both people put in the capital, that's fine too. The capital is a number one priority. The preferred return, the interest on that capital is in the number two priority, and the actual profits are then in the number three priority. So there truly are no profits in a typical partnership structure until you've had a return of the capital and the preferred rate of return. Now, how do you divide up the profits after those two items? Well, that is subject to negotiation because there is no playbook on how those profits must be split. I've seen 50-50. I've seen 40-60, where the person who puts up the capital gets 60% of the profits. And I've seen the reverse, 60-40, where the person who puts up the capital gets 40%. I've even seen it all the way down to 80-20, 20% either to the person who put in the capital or 80% to the person who put in the capital. So what makes that split different? Well, there's a lot of factors. If that self-storage facility you're buying is risky, a lot of vacancy, maybe not the best side of town, 
operational issues, structural issues, that the person putting up the equity, they're taking greater risk. Therefore, they need a bigger part of the profits. Or on the other hand, if this deal is so great, it's amazing, and it all came from the labor of the partner who doesn't put up the money or puts up a smaller amount of money, they should still get a bigger part, a bigger piece of the pie, because they put together such an amazing deal. So the deal quality is one consideration, and the risk is another consideration. Remember that risk-reward is a big part of real estate. Sam Zell wrote an entire book about it called Am I Being Too Subtle? Zell is the largest owner of office buildings, apartments, and mobile home parks in the United States. But he got there, and he survived, and and he's prospered for so many decades because he rarely has a failure. That's all part of his appeal to people because he's been an amazing judge of values and risk and reward. In fact, he's so firmly into risk-reward that he has on the back of his business card. He tells everybody in his organization that it's okay to take risk. But when you have low risk, there can be low reward. But when you have high risk, there must be high reward. So what you have to do to figure out that split then is we've got to look accurately and effectively what is the risk to that capital and how amazing is the deal on the front end to try and figure out who gets what. The worst thing you can do with a partnership is have it where one or both people feel slighted. It's never going to work if the division is 30-70 and the person who found the deal feels like they're not getting fair consideration, only getting 30% of the profits. So whatever you forge, it has to be win-win. If you can't forge a win-win deal when it comes to partners and profit splits, then you shouldn't do it. Because what happens is when people feel slighted, when they don't feel like they're getting their fair share, it's like a cancer. It grows through that partnership. Ultimately, you won't be able to partner. You may even have internal squabbles on the deal that you did. Look back at history, for example, at American rock groups. How many of those groups fell apart because someone in the group felt like they were being slighted? It really destroyed the Beatles, destroyed the group Queen. Anytime you had people who said, now, wait a minute, my contribution was worth more than this percent. I'm not getting enough. Whenever that starts occurring, it just festers and it grows. It's also important whenever you talk about profit splits, you should reevaluate that periodically. I'm not saying you have to realter them in that deal, but I am saying that perhaps you say, you know what? That last deal didn't work out like we thought. I got too much of the profit split based on my efforts. So in this next deal, I'm going to give you a little extra. So we offset. That's good deal making. That's being a good partner watching out for your partner to make sure that they are 100% satisfied with how things are going. I was at a pirate museum in the Bahamas years ago. Fascinating learning about the real life about pirates. I had no idea. I'd just seen things in the movie. I didn't know that most pirate ships were captained by British officers who were typically sent by Britain to try and capture the pirates. When they got over to the Bahamas, they started thinking to themselves, wow, those pirates have a really good lifestyle. I don't earn much money in the British Navy, and they would then become pirates. Basically, what these pirate captains would do is they would like to do debriefings before and after the pirate ship went out to sea. They were constantly trying to make sure that everyone on the ship felt like they were getting their fair piece of the pie. wasn't like in the movies where the pirate captain would get the big old chest of gold and all the other pirates would get nothing for their efforts. Instead... Pirate captains like to make sure that everyone was happy and satisfied with the split. They'd even have lengthy conversations going over each person's role and whatever piracy they had done to make sure that they felt fairly compensated. If pirates can do that, certainly you can do that. 
It's very, very important always in any partnering that both partners are 100% happy. Partnership should be a positive force, not a negative force. Remember that partnering only works because combined you're more powerful than individually. But it's not going to be more powerful if one or both of you are bummed out. You've got to find a happy middle ground. Now, if you look at the world of real estate, again, you'll see there's been many, many successful partnerships over the years. And I bet if we talked to each of those partnerships and said, do you feel like you got your fair respect from your partner? Did you feel like at all times your interests were guarded? They would say, yes, I trust my partner to the end of the earth. I know they would never ever attempt to screw me over. That's a good partnership. So then the question is on the profit split, you maybe you shouldn't be worried so much about you getting that little extra piece. Maybe you should be more concerned about the person you're working with getting that extra piece. Because again, these things only work when both parties are completely satisfied. This is Frank Roth, the Stealth Storage University podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Self Storage University podcast. Be sure to visit us at ssupodcast.com where you can learn the correct way to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, renegotiate, finance, turn around, and operate self-storage facilities.